I can accept the fact that I don't get my way all the time, that I am going to have to accept the fact that I'm missing out on something that I desperately want and there's nothing I can do to change that. That creates distress, that creates tension, that creates frustration inside people's bodies, inside their system in some way. Welcome to the Secure Marriage Podcast, where we believe it's possible to fight less, feel understood, and enjoy a deeper connection with your spouse. We're your hosts, Paul and Shannon Elmore, and on today's episode, how to grieve the loss of your relationship. Yeah, this one is going to be a little bit heavier, but just as important. Yeah. All right, here we go. I've been sitting a lot of people who have lost their relationships. No matter what they've tried, their marriage has ended. It's fallen apart. They are no longer to be married. Mm -hmm. And the grief that comes with that, that's a painful experience no matter what. It's, It's not an easy experience to go through. A lot of people try to avoid it, and sometimes they avoid it for years. They know their marriage is unsustainable, and yet they're they're afraid to take the steps to end the marriage for one reason or another. Again, it's a complex issue. Sure. But when they finally decide it's time to end the marriage or their spouse walks away from them and they are put through a process that they don't want to go through of losing a marriage, Mm. it is incredibly painful. And so I teach my clients the purpose of grief. My definition of grieving is really, 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 really wanting something that you can't have and then the time it takes to come to terms with that to accept the fact that you don't get what you want i tell my clients all the time if my wife if you were hit by a bus and killed i really 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 want you back right am i going to get my way no no and so i have to take time it takes my body my psyche my emotions all all parts of me it takes time for me to accept the fact that i've lost something that i didn't want to lose and that i'm not going to get it back right and there's actually a biological time frame for grieving. Most people don't know this. If you break an arm, how long does it take for your arm to heal if you've broken the bone? Eight weeks. Yeah, six to eight weeks. weeks, Those kind of things. If you have lost a relationship, if you've, through divorce, through death, through a whole variety of things, and you are having to deal with that loss, it takes anywhere from 18 months to two years to move through that entire healing process. And And, and that's probably if you actually move through it in healthy ways. Correct. In, In healthy ways. Now, there's something called complex grief, which is I don't want to accept what has happened to me. I'm still fighting what has happened to me. Somehow I should be able to still get what I want. And you can actually get stuck there for years and years and years. And that becomes really, really messy. Uh, Everyone's probably heard of the stages of grief. Uh, Some of those are are denial. That's usually the first thing that happens. Mm -hmm. I always picture the police officers knocking on the door at late at night and the parents opening the door and say, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, we're really, really sorry, but right. your teenage son has been killed in a, in a car accident. And the mother crumpling Just to the crumpling. floor yeah. and saying, no, 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 it's not true. He's upstairs. He's in his bedroom. He's asleep in his bed. That initial, this can't be too true. It is so bad. It is that so disbelief. painful. Um, our brains just kick into denial. It's not true. It's not happening. It's not as bad. And again, you can't stop that. You can be aware of that. And then you usually move into anger. 
I am pissed off. How can this happen? And we get angry at a whole variety of, of people. It could be the other woman that has now taken your husband. It could be bad family. It could be you're pissed off at God. You could be mad at yourself. I mean, anger gets directed in all sorts of ways. Right. And again, you move through all of this, then you you actually have um, kind of just acceptances in there later on. You kind of move to a place of, okay, I'll finally accept this. And there's a few more stages in there. But being aware that this is what you are fighting. This is what you're up against when you are losing a relationship. I actually say sometimes that losing a relationship is harder than death. You know why? Well, because with death, you know, cognitively, you know that you can't get what you want. Yes. With losing a relationship, there's that other person is still there somewhere. Yeah. You don't run into your deceased wife in the grocery store while they're on the arm of their new spouse. Right. That hurts almost even more. It's actually harder to get some levels of closure around divorce um, where death, typically the people aren't coming back. Right. You don't run into them when you're out and about and running errands. Right. It's a painful experience. And again, this this idea of grieving, really, really, really wanting something that you can't have, that is what most people fight against. There's a way to save my marriage. There's a way to make, to win him back, to make him change, to get him to be better, to get her to stop doing whatever. Our brains are actually problem solving machines. If there's an issue, we're going to try to figure out a way to make it be better or change in some way. Unless you've learned early on, usually through trauma that you actually can't fix anything and you actually move into a helpless state. And then instead of your brain being a problem solving machine, your brain is actually a survival machine. And it right. says, don't bother trying to solve the problem. Just figure out how to tolerate it, how to how to get through it, how to escape from it, right. how to run away, how to avoid it in some way. Right. Um, but this idea of taking time and letting your brain, letting your system accept the fact that you don't get what you want. We are recording this podcast from America for our international listeners, however many there is. Um, We're in Portland, Oregon. That's in America. The American mindset is we shouldn't deny ourselves anything. We should always have anything that we want. If we can't afford it, we can get it on credit. If we don't like something, we should be able to be self-actuated and be able to change. We had this embedded into our psyches that we should never have to tolerate something that we don't like until you have to tolerate something that you don't like, like the loss of relationship, like someone betraying you, like death, all these things. And the mature, the healthiest version of yourself is someone who says, I actually will not fight that. I can accept the fact that I don't get my way all the time, that I am going to have to accept the fact that I'm missing out on something that I desperately want and there's nothing I can do to change that. Right. That creates distress. That creates tension. That creates frustration inside people's bodies, inside their system in some way. Well, I think that it would also cause, in some ways, it would probably cause guilt for some people because they feel like, I have to keep trying. I'm not good enough if I don't keep trying. Very much so. And so there has to come a point where you have to, well, I don't know how to word what I'm thinking, but where you have tried and you have tried and you have tried, there has to come a point where you recognize that you're trying isn't healthy anymore. Yeah. It's beyond that. And it's self-serving as opposed to actually healthy. Yeah. I actually call it toxic hope. You keep hoping for something to to happen and it's never going to happen. And it keeps you stuck, keeps you from moving forward. That's a painful place to be. Hope's a good thing to have, but not when it's 
actually hopeless. And there are some things that are hopeless. Right. And I, and I hate to say that, but that's the nature of this fallen world that we live in. Yeah. Not everything can be fixed. The other thing about the grieving process is I describe it as you're moving from one normal to a new normal. So right now I come home, my body, my psyche, my system is designed to expect to see you. Right. To interact with you, to have you talk to me. I wake up in the morning and I reach over and you're laying next to me. I go to bed at night and you go to bed with me. You are part of my world. And then if you are, again, hit by that bus and you are gone, my world is upside down because I come home and you're not there. And there's this unbelievably painful gap, this, this absence of you. And I wake up in the morning and you're not there. And again, I get reminded in the morning and then I see something on TV that reminds me of something you and I have done together. And it's like, oh, there's a reminder. You're not there. You're not there. You're not there. And my normal way of life is so disrupted because you are now missing from this. Yeah. And it takes, again, 18 months to two years before I wake up and my brain doesn't automatically reach over and, and try to feel you. Or when I come home, I'm not expecting to see you. That's now my new normal. So the grieving process is 18 months to two years is going from one one normal to a new, new normal. normal. That's fascinating. While you were talking, it made me think about, and this might be kind of weird, but it made me think about, uh, we had our dog for 17 oh, years, yeah. our dog Caesar. Yeah. And you go through the grieving process yeah. when, when your pet dies. Yeah. And I was just thinking about how even after a period of time, we we used to open cans of tuna. And after yeah. we did that, we'd throw the tuna can on the ground and let him lick out oh, all yeah. the remnants. Even three or four years uh-huh. after he was gone, I can remember a time, both of us uh-huh. have done it, where we'd open a can of tuna and start to put it down. And it's been like four years. Yeah. And it's like, wait a minute, Caesar's He's not, not here. here anymore. But the other thing that I was thinking about that is, I think most people don't even understand the grieving process. Uh, pets are one way that you you learn the yeah. grieving process and yeah. e- not easy, but yeah. easier than losing a spouse or whatever. But we're so quick to replace yeah. that pet yeah. that you don't actually experience the grieving process. Right. Or we're so quick when we lose something or something happens to replace it that we don't go through the grieving process. So yeah. losing a marriage yeah. is, I think a lot of people don't actually go through the grieving process yeah. because they want to replace what is missing. And so yeah. that causes long-term problems problems. And even when they get into a new relationship, that causes issues because they haven't actually gone through the grieving process and healed from that prior to getting into a new relationship. Some people aren't going to like hearing that. Some people that might even offend, but it's actually true. I think that if you lose a relationship, you need to take a season, again, that two-year period to get to know who you are without that person in your life. Because if, if you replace them very quickly, you're basically replacing someone while you're in that grieving, unhealthy, um, or not the not the best version of yourself, right? that attracts a certain kind of people, certain kind of person into your life. I'm not so sure you want to uh, continue a long-term relationship with someone who is attracted to that grieving, unhealthy version right. of yourself. You want to become the best version of yourself so that you can now attract or connect with someone who uh, appreciates and loves you for who you are as your best self. Right. It's such an important thing. I remember when we lost Caesar. Again, my brain was so hardwired, he always slept next to our bed, uh-huh. my side of the bed. Right. And every time I had to get up and go pee in the middle of the night, I programmed my body. You take a large step out of the bed so you don't step on the dog. And it took me months. Every time I got out of the bed, I was taking this huge step. I was like, oh, right. wait a second. He's not there. Right. And again, every night in the middle of the night, I grieved just a little bit because like, oh. Yeah. 
my normal life isn't normal anymore. It's right. it's this new thing, and it takes it takes time. You it does. can't rush it. And and again, losing a losing relationship is just as painful or more painful than losing someone to death. It is hard. Right. It is not an easy thing to do. And so, if you're listening to this podcast right now and you have lost a relationship again through either infidelity or through the thousands of reasons why marriage is in, and you're going, yes. I, I recognize that pain and no one's ever given me the permission to actually feel that pain. Right. To recognize this has this has altered who I am. This this is a major blow. And maybe you need to hear this kind of podcast to give yourself permission to grieve in the way that is necessary. I mean, grieving is messy. You don't want to do things for a season. You right. cry for no reason. You have waves of emotion that come rolling through. Yeah. You're sitting next to someone and everything seems normal to them, but you see one little trigger on a TV show or a, a smell in a grocery store yep. and instantly you are experiencing the loss and the person next to you is going, what is your problem? And it's embarrassing. You should be over this already. Yeah, it's embarrassing. And right. yet these reminders come up all the time. We want you to hear from us. That is normal. You don't yep. have to avoid it. You don't have to hide from it. You don't have to be afraid of it. Um, The best thing you can do is give yourself permission to move through it. Uh, Picture the waves rolling in on the beach. You don't try to stop the waves. You do get prepared for them, though. You see them coming. You learn how to float over the top of them rather than, you know, anchored to the ground and actually having them kind of watch over you. And now you're underwater for a while. You want to be able to float over the top of them. and And after time, the waves get smaller and smaller and you can go back to a new normal. You're not going to go back to your regular life. That has ended. You will never be the same. But that's not a bad thing. Right. Allow yourself to move on to the next season, the next version of yourself. And if you can do that, then you will move through the grieving process in the healthiest, most appropriate way possible. Yep. Makes sense? It does. Yeah. This just came up again. That I'm was sitting, a good one. I'm sitting with clients who are grieving the loss of their relationship right now, and my heart goes out to them, and I know that they're not the only ones. And so right. if you're listening to this and, and you think it would be helpful, you can go visit securemarriage.com. You can email me, paul at securemarriage.com or shannon at securemarriage.com. Let us know your story. We love hearing back from people and we'd love to hear if this is helpful or if you have specific questions about your story. We'd love to see if we can answer it for you. Yep. Other than that, I think that's it. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you next time. Alrighty. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.